Hey everybody, thanks for checking out another episode of the Aaron Advantage Podcast, backed by popular demand, Eric Googe with Uvest Advisory, today to talk about financial planning for realtors. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. You know, I am super excited to talk on this topic specifically because obviously as a realtor, financial planning is something that I want to take better control of in my life. And I think you're the guy to help make that happen. Naturally enough. And uh, I think uh, where I'm, I'm particularly interested in financial planning for realtors because realtors have three things that are specific about them. Number one, uh, they're business owners, so there's unique financial planning uh, circumstances uh, that apply to business owners. Number two, I would say the majority, I'm guessing, uh, of their income is seasonal, lumpy, kind of uh, commission-based income. So it, it varies, right, with time. And there's some very uh, particular financial planning aspects that go along with that. And then finally, there's some unique uh, investment uh, considerations that uh, apply more specifically to realtors than I would say uh, other individuals. So realtors, for me, are kind of a perfect client and specifically younger realtors. um, But I really think that there's a lot of financial planning opportunities uh, for realtors. Yeah, you know, you said two things there that really stand out to me as a realtor, which is, uh, A, we are business owners. And unfortunately, we're in an industry that doesn't hammer that home well enough to the individual agent. Um, And that's one of the things that as I'm training new agents on my team, I'm like, you're a business owner. I want to train you to be the best business owner. And second is that lumpy income because lumpy income is the probably the best way I've ever heard that described. It's, hey, you can make a fortune in one month and you can go starving for the next. And and you know what? You know what people do because of that? Uh, Because of that lumpy income, a lot of clients that I've worked with, I, I see this over and over again, they hold on to a ton of cash. Right. And you might think, well, you know, they, they don't know when they're going to, you know, make the next closing or, or, you know, get that next paycheck. But the reality is, is holding on to too much cash and inappropriate amount of cash results in what I like to call cash drag. And look, I don't know. Well, let me ask you, Aaron. Uh, if you're going to ask if I have cash drag, the answer no, is yes. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not what I'm going to ask you. What I'm going to ask you is why did you get into real estate? And you know, maybe not so aspirational, but from a financial perspective or from a lifestyle perspective, why did you get into real estate? You know, that's a really good question. Whenever I first got into real estate, I had actually just come out of my first year of college. Um, I was in a position where I thought I wanted to be a pharmacist, Uh, mostly because I had the ideal that, you know, I loved chemistry growing up. I did great in high school chemistry and organic chemistry and everything. And I wanted to own my own business. And so I thought I'm going to become a pharmacist, own a pharmacy. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be the best of both worlds. Then I went to pharmacy school and I hated it. Like just (laughs) not interested whatsoever. Just found out it was a little bit more monotonous than I wanted to do. So I kind of came into the realization that I wasn't hundred percent sure what I wanted to do. And I had a buddy whose mom owned a small brokerage and she was like, Hey, would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah, that scratches my itch of it's a job that's 
kind of steady. I mean, you do have lumpy income, but it's kind of steady as you work with a brokerage, you have their brand behind you, but you have that ability to own your own business and do your own thing. So it was kind of treading that line of a real job and a business owner that I was like, that's right up my alley. That's what I want to do. That's perfect because that points to two themes. And this is sort of what I was trying to prompt out of you. And the reason I think a lot of people get into real estate, number one, the potential uh, to be a business owner and the income that comes along with that. True. And number two, flexibility, lifestyle, uh, uh, lifestyle that's not monotonous, a lifestyle that, you know, uh, sort of uh, allows itself to live, allows you to live your uh, life on your terms. Right. I mean, monotony is the bane of my existence. If two things go exactly the same, I'm just like, I'm bored. Let's do something else. So, yeah. So that's great. So let's think about that when we're thinking about cash management and cash drag. So the reason a lot of realtors get into real estate are for the potential financial rewards and for a flexible lifestyle. Okay. Well, let's carry that out for a few years. You probably didn't get into real estate because you wanted to work 18 hour days and do that for 45 years. I would, maybe you did, but no, I would, no definitely not. <laughs> I would think most people don't want to do that. But if you're not managing your cash appropriately, you're kind of setting yourself up for a situation where you're going to be working 18 hour days for 45 years. And it might not be that dire. You might just have a little bit of extra cash. But if you have a lot of extra cash on hand and a lot of realtors do because of the seasonal uh, lumpy kind of income, uh, that's just going to drag that, that the reason I call it cash drag is because it's going to drag on your financial health. It's going to be a subtraction from your growth over time. And what you should be doing as a business owner is setting yourself up for a future where you have, uh, a work optional life. I work mean, optional life. That is a phrase that I am super excited about. I, uh, I have children now and I, at every turn and opportunity, try to encourage and foster a love in real estate for my children. Because yeah. maybe one day they help take over dad's business and I get to vacation and I let them it. deal with things. That's perfect. I, I, I need to start grooming my little ones for financial <laughs> planning. Uh, but that's exactly what, what, I mean, if you got into real estate for flexibility and to enjoy life and to uh, enjoy life's riches, then you need to be thinking about, hey, I don't want to, you can't be thinking, oh, I just want to, I just want to work as hard as I can until I die. Nobody, nobody, I wouldn't think very many people want to do that. So cash drag, minimizing cash drag goes a long way. It's it's the very first step in minimizing or you know optimizing rather your uh, your your position to help yourself make your future work optional. And there's 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 a couple there's a couple things. There's actually there's three things that I want to mention about cash drag. Okay, what you got? Number one, focus on your brokerage account first. There's Really, probably no reason why you need more than two months of living expenses in a or in your 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 regular uh, cash account, your regular okay. checking account. So, um, I'm not sure if I just misspoke or not, but basically, you have your checking account, you have your savings account, and you have your brokerage account. Focus on your checking account. You need two months of living expenses in that checking account. Gotcha. Two months okay. living expenses. That's a good rule of thumb to start with. Everybody's situation is going to be different, but just focus on two months of living expenses. Don't 
put tens of thousands of, of dollars in that checking account. It's, it doesn't need to sit there and waste away. Then you got your savings account, right? And this is the kind of account that people usually use for emergencies or for you know one-off kind of things that, that happen here or there. I would go ahead and fill out that savings account with four months of expenses. Okay. So we got two months uh, of expenses in your checking account, right? And we got four months of expenses in your savings account. Now, believe it or not, I would venture to say there's a lot of realtors out there who have well over six months worth of living expenses in cash in their bank accounts. And the reason is because they are have no idea what the future is going to uh, uh, you know hold in store for them. So you might have extra cash and you might be thinking, what, well, what the heck do I do with this extra cash? This is where a brokerage account comes in. So a brokerage account is something uh, that it doesn't have to necessarily be a retirement account, but basically it's an account that you can use to invest your extra cash so it's not just sitting there wasting away. It's not cash you're going to need in an emergency, although it is there if you need it in an emergency. Still a liquid account that you can access. It's a still liquid account you can access. You're not putting it in jail. That's Those are the three accounts. So that's cash management. If you can get that under control, you're going to minimize that cash drag and set yourself up for uh, a, a more, uh, I would think, enjoyable uh, working career. Absolutely. You know, here's the thing with cash management specifically in real estate. When we get people who are coming into the business and they're getting licensed, there's education on, hey, here's the legal stuff that you need to know. When we get them into the business, it's here's what you need to know to generate leads and get clients. Very few brokerages, training programs, or anything else ever really discusses this cash management other than make sure you don't run out of money to take care of your clients. Right. There's not a whole lot of stuff out there that's available that says, hey, here's how we need to set you up for a future. So the fact that you're already kind of putting people in a mindset and in a position of, hey, here's where I need to get started just to make sure that at some point in the future, I don't have to continue working 18 hours every single day yeah. until I'm in the, in a pine box in the ground is a huge win that most people probably never even think about. And that's just the most basic thing to do with your cash management. Yeah, you're ac- you're absolutely right. And it is the most basic. It's the very first step and it's, it's sort of like the low hanging fruit. Um, but what that leads to, and I think is probably a more important step, uh, it, once you've got your cash management under control and you, you know, that's, evened out. And by the way, I should just point out, you know, your, your accounts are going to fluctuate, right? Your your checking account is going to go up and down and your savings account is going to go up and down and your brokerage account will very clearly go up and down. Just, you know, pick out, uh, just watch the NASDAQ lately. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Just, you know, transfer some, uh, money from savings to checking when you need to, or vice versa. Just, uh, just keep an eye on it. Don't let that thing run out of control. Right. Um, but that leads us to uh, the next. So there's three broad areas why I said I liked working with realtors and financial planning. Cash management was the first one. Uh, retirement uh, and tax planning was the second one. And uh, the third one is unique investment uh, needs. So let's focus on that, that second one. And that's uh, uh, retirement and tax planning needs. So once you've got your cash management down, that's the most basic step. You need to start thinking about yourself as a business owner. Yep. And uh, if particularly young realtors... Uh, they might not think of themselves uh, totally as a business owner. They almost might think of themselves as, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a subsidiary of the whatever brokerage they work for or whatever, Correct. you know. Yeah. But really, you're, you're, you're your own, your standalone business owner. 
And one of the cool things about being your own standalone business owner is you get access to certain types of um, tools that uh, savers can use or, uh, you know, pe- people in their working careers can use to set themselves up for a, I guess we'll call this a work optional future. Two of my favorite tools and two things that are underutilized by the real estate community are SEP IRAs and solo 401ks. Okay, let's talk about those two for a second. Now, if Aaron, if I walked in and I said, hey, there's this thing you can do and the IRS will give you a $61,500 tax deduction. Do you want it? Yes. You would probably say yes, or at least... How do I get it? (laughs) Tell me more or something, you know, you would, you would. Now that is what a solo 401k can do for you. And in fact, if you're, if you're a little bit older, it can do even more than that for you, but that is what a solo 401k can do for you. So you're telling me I have more options in the future? You have even more options than you could, you could fathom if you didn't consider yourself a business owner. If you didn't consider yourself a business owner, you wouldn't even think about a solo 401k. You might even have some sort of uh, 401k uh, set up through your brokerage, but that, and you think that that prevents you from setting up a a solo 401k, but it doesn't. Oh. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. Uh, You can set, if you have your own business and you have your own uh, income, uh, you know, this would be 1099 sort of income, you can set up uh, an account like a solo 401k and you can defer some of those, uh, some of that cash flow, some of those earnings so that the IRS isn't taxing them because why pay unnecessary taxes or just to let that go to your checking account and sit there and rot away, at, you know, earning whatever the inflation rate is at negative rate. I can tell you my business account earns next to zero. Right. Why, so why would you do that? And if you don't want to do that, if you're like, hey, tax deduction, that sounds great. But really, I just don't want to lock my money up or I, I, I just I like having my money be after tax. Great. You can do that, too, because one of the, my very favorite things about solo 401ks is they have Roth features in them, <laughs> which is so fantastic because the Roth IRA is one of the greatest gifts that Congress has allowed the IRS to give us. And I hope they don't take it away anytime soon. I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. I think that would be a, uh, a, a nightmare scenario. It's, I would be very heartbroken. But <laughs> The people would revolt in the streets. Yes, yes. Because of, think about it. The Roth IRA is one of those few pieces of property where... That appreciate that number one over the long term appreciates in value, and number two, you own outright and will never pay taxes on again. Think about different types of property. Think about real estate, for example. Yep, you can own real estate for the long haul, but there is never a scenario where <laughs> you're never going to pay some sort of tax associated with that real estate, whether yeah. it's as a sort of uh, capital gains tax or whether it's property taxes. You're always going to have taxes associated with that real estate. Think about gold or something like that. Believe it or not, you can't just buy a bar of gold and never pay taxes on it ever again after you have bought it because there's actually a hidden in the IRS code. There's actually a 28% capital gains tax on collectibles. Um, So baseball cards, for example. They get their hands on everything. They do. But Roth IRAs are one of those exceptions. You can invest in a Roth IRA and that money is yours. And as long as you don't, um, you know, as long as you 
just follow the rules with Roth IRA, which that's not the topic of this discussion, uh, you, you will never pay taxes on that money ever again. And by the way, Roth IRAs aren't locked up uh, in retirement jail like regular IRAs or regular 401ks are. Um, you have to jump through a small hoop with a Roth 401k, but it doesn't matter. You can still always access that money. It's still uh, semi I mean, I call it semi-liquid because you have a, a couple hoops you got to jump through to get to it, but you get, you can get to it. Without paying taxes and without paying penalties. Yes, absolutely you can. So those options are huge. If you want to set yourself up, if you're, if you're getting into real estate and you like the earning potential and you like the uh, flexibility and you have dreams about someday enjoying your life outside of the context of a work environment, a solo 401k is a massive tool. And if you're not taking advantage of it as a business owner, you, that is criminal. You are doing yourself a massive disservice. I'm going to be real honest. Whenever you and I had a conversation about this particular topic earlier, uh, I would say at the end of 2021, and I was like, hey, you know, Eric, great news, had a fantastic year. On the flip side, I need some options for some of this uh, extra money because I don't want that cash drag laying around and and weighing me down. And when you told me about the solo 401k with the Roth option, my mind was blown. Like, I have a degree in finance. I feel like I'm fairly financially literate, and I was still like, wait, what? I can do what with this money? Yeah, yeah. Seriously, mind blown. Yeah, and and the, the reason, if if you're not super familiar with Roth IRAs, the reason it's so cool is because you if you go, you can open up a Roth IRA anywhere. you got Robinhood. I, I'm sure, Rob, I don't actually, I don't know if Robinhood offers Roth IRAs, but any brokerage account, any uh, E-Trade, TD Ameritrade, whatever. They make them super easy to open. You can open them very quickly, but you can only put $6,000 in that Roth IRA in any given year. But with a solo 401k Roth, you can put up to, uh, well, it was 19500 uh this year or last year. This year, it's 21500 I believe. And... And it gets even better because you can do something called the Mega Backdoor Roth IRA, which is a super cool, um, fun little exercise you can do with the help of a financial advisor or a financial planner, where you can actually make up to, this year, $61,500 in after-tax Roth contributions. $61,500. Now... That, if if my math is anywhere close, is like 10 times what you can put in a Roth. Yeah. Over 10 in, times. It's incredible. And that money is never going to be taxed ever again. That money is yours. It's free and it's going to grow. And you, if you retire early, you can you roll that money out into a Roth. And guess what? It's yours to use as you see fit. And that's that's that. Uh, particularly if you want to retire early, you need to focus on options like uh, Roth solo 401k, uh, doing those mega backdoor Roth IRAs and using regular Roth IRAs because it's easier to access those accounts if you retire before 59 and a half. If you retire before 59 and a half with a regular, uh, what they call tax deferred type of account, you're going to run into some headaches, but right. you can avoid those headaches with uh, after tax accounts such as Roths. 
So in this work optional future, this the paradise that you're painting for us, what you're telling me is I can start investing now up to $61,500 in a single year to allow that to grow for the next, let's say, let's use 59 and a half as, yeah. the, as the time where I get to retire. That's another 24 and a half years yeah. that I have to allow this money to continue to grow. And I don't pay taxes on any of that income so that whenever I decide to start pulling it out, it's just mine to use yep. and enjoy. 100%. You don't pay taxes on any of the growth. You don't pay taxes on any of the income uh, or the distributions or anything. Is there any other instrument that you're aware of that offers that kind of amazing return? Well, um, I there is no other piece of property that I'm aware of that the IRA, that will appreciate in value. And that the IRS will never pursue you for taxes on. I mean, clearly you can't guarantee you specific returns on the market future, no. but no, yeah, but you're tax right. free. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even things you own outright, if they appreciate in value, technically you're going to owe taxes on them if you sell them for a gain at some point. Whether it's collectibles or whether it's you know your house or whatever it is, you know, other stocks and any other type of account, you're going to owe taxes. At some point on that money. but And as everyone knows, our good friend Frank would like to call those not just taxes, but theft. So yeah, basically right. you're continuing to be stolen from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Frank's a good guy. I like Frank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got, yeah. He's got some ideas. Uh, but so that that's a huge that's a huge win. And it's um, it's overlooked because, you know, most people don't. They are, I would say there's a lot of realtors out there who have no idea that they can open this type of account. Now, that's a fact. I mean, not just a lot of realtors. I bet there's a lot of people just in general that have no idea about that. But realtors are more specifically like kind of looked over as professionals because, you know, we're not we're not real well known for our ability to plan for the future, um, <laughs> unfortunately, which is uh, a perception I'm trying to change. Um, and the fact that there's all of these options that are being put out there for people like me who are young in the business and doing all these things to think of themselves as business owners and setting themselves up for that work optional future are are things that I think need to be brought to light, which is why I'm so excited to talk about all of this stuff. And then to get into point number three, which is more of your portfolio management strategies. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and real quick, uh, so I mentioned two types of accounts. I mentioned a uh, 401k and, or a solo 401k, and I mentioned SEP IRA. I love for solos solo 401ks more than SEP IRAs. And the reason is, is because you can put more money in them and the SEP IRA, you can't do that Roth option. But if you are past 12, uh, if you're past December 31st and you want to defer some of last year's money, your only option is going to be a SEP IRA. So uh, they have their purpose too. Uh, but yeah, moving on to point number three. So let's do a quick recap. Cash management, appropriate amount of cash management. Um, uh, point number two was, uh, you know, retirement and tax planning for business owners and most specifically using a solo 401k. Uh, and point number three is appropriate portfolio management. The way I look at portfolio management is from a global perspective. What I mean is, you have your as you work, uh, as you you know uh, advance through your working career, you're going to accumulate accounts. They're going to be all over the place, and they're going to be you know different types of maybe a 401k over here, uh, an IRA over here. Uh, a brokerage account, your your cash account, your your checking account rather. Um, you might even have a few rental properties or or, or, or something like that. 
if we look at a portfolio from a global perspective, you need to take all the investments within all those accounts and consider them as a whole. It's not just looking at one account and making sure you're adequately diversified or whatever that means for you. Uh, it's looking at all those accounts and seeing that you're not overexposed in one area or under, you have under uh, exposure in another area. Eric, you bring up a great point about overexposure. Real estate agents love to invest in real estate. And a lot of people I know kind of almost exclusively invest in real estate. Yep. With portfolio management and overexposure, I what I'm guessing is you're going to tell me that's not the best idea. Well, here's the thing. I uh I've had a lot of conversations with realtors and some of them have this idea uh that it's like either this or that. And I think that realtors in particular should have probably more than the average person uh, in their portfolio towards real estate. And the reason I believe that is because, look, realtors are experts in their field. They know what a good real estate investment looks like. Uh, they know that better than even I would know or better than certainly better than the average Joe would know. So that warrants exposure to real estate and perhaps even heavy exposure to real estate. But the the kind of example that I like to use uh, is the example of an Enron employee. Okay. Imagine so Enron was a darling uh, in the late '90s and well, I really through the '90s uh, up until the uh, it fell apart in the uh, very beginning of the 2000s. Imagine you're an Enron employee and you're looking at these fantastic returns and Enron's doing great and you work for the company and perhaps you've worked there for years and you're very confident about the management and the and the path in the future and you, you are just very confident about how well Enron is doing. And so what do you do? You take advantage of their workplace retirement options and you, you dump it into stock, into Enron stock in particular. That might look like a good idea to you if you're an Enron employee because you got, you're got you on the inside. You know what's going on with the company. Right. You know how things look. But then Enron blows up. And the Spectacularly. And the, and the employees didn't know about it, and the, they couldn't have known about it because this was a very, uh, very uh, high-level case of fraud, <laughs> and these numbers were being uh, heavily massaged, uh, if not outright made up. And Enron wasn't as healthy or as strong as, as the employees or the rest of the investment world thought it was. Now, consider what position that person is in. Not only have they lost their livelihood, mm. but they've lost their savings. Ugh. Their entire savings was connected to their livelihood. So that person lost twice, and they lost way more than if you were just an investor in Enron or if you were just an employee of Enron. Both scenarios suck for either one of those individuals, but if you are both of those people at the same time, it really sucks for you. That's worse than a double whammy. That is, hey, no future earnings and no savings left. Yeah, that is just brutal. People's lives were absolutely, I don't, I can't, I guess I, I can't say ruined, but but, you know, it's, that's a really tough pill to swallow. Okay, so that's that's Enron, right? Now, let's think about that in a real estate con uh, context. Okay, what you got? If you are a really good realtor or you know real estate investments really, really well, you're going to naturally accumulate rental properties, uh, you know, different properties for different reasons, right? But if you're a realtor in particular, you're also going to be making the majority of your income from real estate. True. 
And so you have a very similar situation. So what happens if, uh, you know, something happens in the real estate market and there could be all kinds of things that happen, but let's just say, you know, something happens where all of a sudden you're not making that, that income. And then all of a sudden your properties are producing the cash flow that you thought they were, or right. maybe they are, you can't offload them uh, like you need to, or maybe you can't refinance them like you need to, which has happened to a lot of people in 2008 mm -hmm. or so. Um, what happens to you then? Well, you are in a very tough position, my friend, because your income is tied to your portfolio returns or your, they're tied to a common factor, which is the real estate market. Yes. So you should have, it, have as a real estate agent, if you desire to, to have this kind of exposure in your portfolio and, you know, if you're, if you're willing to enable, you should have you should have real estate in your portfolio. You know, you say if something happens, you know, just for those of us who may have forgotten, which hopefully no one has, you mentioned 2008. And I've been in the industry long enough. I got licensed in uh, January of 2006 or 2007, excuse me. I started working for a real estate firm in, in July of 2006. And while I was going through the real estate course, there was a line in that book that says the only asset that has never depreciated <laughs> is real estate. Yeah. And then 2007 happened and they recalled those books as fast as they could because we had the Great Recession, yep. as it came to be known, where that exact scenario happened to a lot of people that I knew, where their income was tied directly to their home sales as the bulk of it, and their residual portfolio was tied pretty heavily to the same thing. Mm -hmm. So diversification is definitely something I've always kept in my mind because even though times are good, even though my business is thriving, I don't want to wind up in the same position where someone else is where if one thing turns, everything I have invested both in my personal business and in my portfolio could take that same hit. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and also consider, you know, uh, it's you're, most realtors, if they're investing in real estate, are probably going to have the majority of their real estate in a local market, wherever that mm. is, wherever their local market is. That's probably where most of their rentals or flip homes or whatever it is, that's probably where it's going to be. It's Correct. probably going to be in a local market that they're most familiar with. That is a, from an investment perspective, that is very um, narrow. Uh, there's a lot of things that can impact local markets that might not have anything to do with real estate, but nonetheless impact the value of real estate there. Let's For, say Toyota goes out of business. I mean, obviously that's not going to happen, example. but one yeah. of, like, not only one of the largest, the largest employer in our area, if they have something that happens in catastrophic failures of some sort that causes them to shut down. Yep. You're, That's you're big problems right. for somebody. And that has nothing to do with real estate, but it ends up impacting real estate very heavily. So there, it's not either or, and it's not that you should definitely uh, minimize your investments in real estate. You should lean into your expertise, but be mindful of the fact that to set yourself up for a work optional future, you need to spread that risk in a appropriate and prudent fashion. And the way you do that is with including things like, you know, traditional investments, stocks and bonds. Um, and uh, perhaps even, you know, if you want to venture off into cryptocurrency, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Just not having all your portfolio uh, in rentals, uh, because I have seen 
professionals, very successful professionals who have the vast majority of their um, retirement savings tied up in real estate. Mm -hmm. And look, they might be very wealthy and they might have had a lot of success, but there are draw there are serious drawbacks. Diversification is just one of them, is only one of them. I mean, you, there's other cons considerations. There's tax considerations. For example, you know, investing in a real estate, uh, investing in real estate in uh, account, an account like an IRA or, or 401k or something like that is doable, but very tricky and not very beneficial for a lot of people. Um, it's not as liquid, right? Uh, sometimes you need cash and I, I don't know how you, you know, maybe if you're working with Aaron, you can really <laughs> offload it quickly. But for most of us, it's going to take a while to offload real and, estate. And if you really want to move it fast, and it's not going at the price you want. You're, you're doing it at the detriment of the sale price, and that, that, that's, that's losing money too. That's exactly what liquid liquidity is. It's that hit you take uh, when there's lack of liquidity. That's that hit you take to convert something to cash. That's right. And so, you know, you it's not it shouldn't be adversarial in your mind if you don't if you know I've worked with people who, for example, think the stock market is a racket and it's a gambling, and you know what. Uh, maybe if you're doing it a certain way, it probably is, but it doesn't have to be done that way and right. done in an appropriate way. It is a huge tool to build your future wealth. And if you're not comfortable doing something like that, that's where somebody like me comes in and we can stitch all these puzzle pieces together. We can talk about your cash management and make sure that that's prudent and you're not wasting your working career, letting your cash get a negative seven and a half percent. I think that's what the CPI numbers year over year just uh, published yesterday or so was negative seven and a half percent. Losing seven and a half percent to inflation. Due to inflation. Yep, exactly. It, it, so why take that hit? There's You don't need to take that hit. Why not take advantage of uh, a potential tax deduction with a, a solo 401k or tax-free savings in a solo 401k more than you could do in any other type of account? Why not make sure that your portfolio is prudently invested across a range of assets and perhaps, you know, tilted towards the ones you understand the most, but, uh, you know, managed by professional uh, uh, for the ones you don't understand. Why not do stuff like that? It's only if you want to have a future where you are not working for the rest of your life, if you want to have a lifestyle that is perhaps above average, those are the things you need to be doing. And that's what I like to do with realtors. That's why I like financial planning with realtors, because they have these unique circumstances. They don't have just, um, you know, your average uh, W-2, uh, you know, with two, two W-2s and, and two and a half kids. Right. It's, it's, there's unique circumstances where we can, I can come in, somebody like me can come in. It doesn't have to be me. It can be anybody. But somebody comes in and provides that value. And it, for me, it's really easy for me to provide that value. But the value is huge. And I, that's why I like financial planning with realtors. I, you know, I absolutely love everything you're saying. You know, even though I have the opportunity to work for myself and I'm trying to set myself up for a work optional future, even I agree that my boss is kind of a dick sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, I have to look him in the mirror every single morning and say, yeah. are you doing the things to take care of future me? And sometimes I'm not. 
not. But you know who I turn to every time I need to get those questions answered? Full disclosure, it's my man Eric right here across from me. (laughs) He is the guy that uh, I always turn to and say, hey, I feel like I'm doing some right things. I might be doing some wrong things. Can we get together? Can we discuss whether or not I'm managing my cash appropriately, whether or not I'm actually setting myself up for the best retirement and tax planning strategies, and how does my portfolio look? Because I don't want to put myself in too narrow a position to wipe out everything if one thing goes wrong. And I've got to say, all of these things, I don't just enjoy talking about it once in a while on a podcast. These are the things that I love, and I love talking about them with Eric because he makes it simple to understand. He makes sure that I'm taken care of, and he works as a fiduciary to make sure that he's putting my interests above his own. And those are all the things that I think are fantastic in a financial planner that I work with. And that's why I like having him in to talk about these things for realtors because no one else is doing it. No one else is setting them up for a stable work optional future if they're not seeking it out themselves. So Eric, thank you so much for coming in, sharing this information, giving the people these strategies. If you could just real quick fire off, where is the best place for somebody to reach out to? You say they don't have to call you. I say they should. What's the best place to reach you, Eric? Well, they certainly can call me. They can call me at 812-698-5200 or they can reach out to me directly, eric at uvestadvisory.com. But if you want to check out my website, uvestadvisory.com, there's a lot of great information on there. Uh, You can reach out to me through the website if you'd like. Uh, But I think you'll find that there's a lot of information, particularly if you're a realtor, that will uh, you you might find enlightening. Um, And yeah, Let's let's work together. Let's do it. Appreciate it, Eric. For all of my real estate friends out here who are listening to this podcast, do not hesitate to reach out to Eric. I highly recommend him. I trust him with my own money. I am happy to put my stamp of approval on his business. So give him a shout. The 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 Aaron approved this 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 product is Aaron approved. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Aaron. This has been great. Appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Hey, this is Aaron Luttrell. Thank you so much for checking out the Aaron Advantage podcast. If you would like to be a guest, please feel free to reach out to me anytime. We're always looking for other people to interview. Thank you.